uit die dierie en tot die is alle dinge. Jere, is ons redder, is ons hoop. Dier u en in u lewe ons. Jere, het een voorrecht om hier saam te wees. Hier rondom die woord, hier ook waar ons verochend die doop van van een van ons kinders gaan vier. Te weet dat dat u kom en u kies vir ons eerste. Aan u behoort die eer tot in alle eeuwigheid. Amen. Geliefdes aan ons Heer Jesus Christus mag daar vir julle genade wees en vrede en barmhartigheid. En dit van God onze Vader, die Heer Jesus Christus, die die krachtige werk van sy Heilige Geest. It is now such a privilege for me to welcome VJ Menon here with us this morning. VJ has had a long career as firstly a chartered engineer and for the last more than 20 years he's, uh, after his retirement he's been in full time in the Lord's service. Um, uh, VJ has had a lot of accomplishments during his life. But uh, one of the more interesting ones that I noted was that he was a member of the uh, special British Nuclear Energy Society. That was interesting for me. But uh, after his retirement, he's been radiating the gospel. And uh, that is so special. That's what I always think of if I think of Vijay. That uh, he's got something in his heart that is radiating in everything he says, everything he do, and the whole focus of his life is to lead people to Christ. And he's had a big impact on our congregation, more than most of you will know. He's, he's been doing one-to-one discipling with a lot of our leaders through the years. Before even I was, was here, he was working with many of our leaders in our congregation. And Vijay, when I think of you, I think of something we do in Afrikaans. And Afrikaans, we, we don't call older, older people by their names. I suppose in uh, a lot of other languages as well. And um, in, in English, unfortunately, there's, there's not, a, not a term of endearment or respect for older people. In Afrikaans, we call it the um. It's like uncle, but not exactly the same. And uh, if I think of uh, uh, Vijay, I want to call him um Vijay because of, of the respect I have for him and the special place he plays in a lot of people's hearts and the way he conveys the gospel and he's his fire for Jesus and the work of the churches he is involved with. BJ, you're very welcome here. We are going to read two scriptures this morning and then VJ will continue. Mark 4, the parables of the sower, verse 1. Again he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land and he was teaching them many things and parables and in his teachings he said to them listen a sower went out to sow and he was sowed some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it and seeds fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprung up since it had no depth of soil and when the sun rose it was scorched and since it had no root it withered away other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it held no grain and another seed fell into good soil and produced grain 
growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let them hear. The purpose of the parables. Verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn to be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receives it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it provides unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. A lamp under a basket. Verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket, or under a bed, and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to become to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measures you use it, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The Parables of the Seed Growing Verse 26 And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows he knows not how. The earth produces itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in the sickle, because the harvest has come. The Parable of the Mustard Seed Verse 30 And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when they sown on the ground, is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet, when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than the garden plants and put out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, and they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything.
Jesus calms the storm, verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Acts 6 Seven chosen to serve Verse 1 Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among your seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they said before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them, and the word of God continued to increase, and the numbers of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Thank you. It's a bit long reading, but I'm glad it's worth it. And when you go home, you can look it in your own Bible, uh, in your Africana Bible if you want to, or an English Bible. And it's one of the most important reading for our subject today. I have been asked to speak on how can we as a church grow. Can you hear me at the back? You clear? I'll try to be slow because I've got terrible accent, hopeless diction, pigeon English. I can't put five words of English together. <laughs> English is my second language. So I'm sorry, I'll try to be as distinct as I can. Now, how can we as a church grow? So blame Elmery for it, <laughs> for asking me to do that. And um, first of all, let me explain the church. People have got great misunderstanding. In UK, St. Helen's Church, or Africana Church, meeting in the school. Now, this is not the church. This is a rain shelter. The church is you and I. We are the church, the people belonging to God. It's not the building. And, but at the same time, the church is part of the gospel. Because when God saved me, a Hindu or a Muslim or somebody who, who, who in, a, uh, in Durban or in Cape Town, when God saves someone, he not only saves him from his sin, but also from his solitude. 
we are saved into a church. We are the body of church. We are the group of people belonging to God. Now, there are only twice Jesus mentioned church in the Gospels. Once he said to Peter, On this rock I build my church, and the powers of evil shall not prevail against it. The rock is Jesus is Lord. That means it's a universal church. Church everywhere. In America, in Africa, in India, in South America, in South Africa. We are universal church. Then the other time Jesus said about church is if you got a trouble with a friend in the church, in your, in, in your group, go and on your own, tell him, discuss with him and get it agreed. But if he doesn't listen to you, take another Christian with you. And if he doesn't listen to both of you, go and tell it to the church. That means local church for the benefit of uh, looking after us, the local church. And if he doesn't still obey the church, excommunicate him in order to bring him back. It's always in order to bring him back. We are a body. <laughs> so is the, in the local church, this is the church. You, you and I are the church of God here in Loughton or, or in the northeast, uh, north um, uh, East India and uh, northeast London. And in the local church, the visible and invisible people, visible and invisible. They, they don't like very much when you say that. The visible is everybody here, everybody. Now, how do you get into the visible church when you are baptized? Now, I was baptized as an adult. But my children were baptized when they were young. You know, they're baptized on the promise that we and the Godparents will bring them up in a Christian faith. You baptize them. If you're an adult, they baptize you when you profess faith and add them in the registry of the church, add the name. That is the local. But the invisible church, how do I get into the invisible church? God adds them. When we exercise faith, when I baptize my, my children, when they grow up, and they call it confirmation service, or they maybe have another name. When we profess faith, then the minister baptizes you. But when you exercise faith, when you live it out, God adds us into his, uh, into his family and write our name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't know what you call it. I mean, we call it Lamb's Book of Life. In the religious, when you die, you meet God, the book will be opened, and if your name is not there, you will not be entered into heaven. God adds them. And how do I know? Uh, let me read you from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 6 and 7. He says, I planted, this is Apostle Paul, I planted, Apostle watered, but God gives the growth. So neither he who plants nor he waters is anything, but only God who gives growth. Only God gives growth. I remember, I'm a member of the governing body of the Church of England for 35 years. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they, I kick, they kicked me in. I'm glad I joined because I know all the bishops. I sat under five, uh, under five archbishops from 1970 the last uh, election. I didn't stand last election. And what I found was when Jesus came into the world is the religious people who crucified him. 
If he comes today, the bishops will crucify him. They would. And many of them don't believe Jesus is God. So they are not, they are not in the, they, their name is not in the Lamb's Book of Love according to what they profess. So God adds them, not I. I remember they gave me a medal for, for being in the Church of England for 35 years in the governing body, uh, St. Augustine Cross. And when they gave it to me, I accepted it because the Archbishop has to say three minutes why he's giving it to me. And he said, Vijay Menon was a Hindu. He came to England. I went to St. Helens and he was converted and he goes around and speaking into university. The Archbishop, tell, half of them were not Christians in the, in the packed congregation. And he also said, oh, Vijay Menon has converted thousands and thousands of people uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know. So when he finished, I stood up and said, excuse me, sir, if anybody was converted by me, they'd end up in hell. What converts them is God. <laughs> I, we can't convert anybody. It's God who adds them in, in, in the profession, you know. But how do I know? How do I know I'm in the visible church? Or how do I know I'm in the invisible church? Now, some of you may ask, how, am I, how can I be sure? Let me tell you the three questions you can ask yourself. Because we are talking about the, the growth of the visible church and the invisible church. So how, I, how can I be sure I'm in the invisible, uh, the invisible church? Well, three questions. First, do you, are you convicted of your sin? Do you believe that you don't deserve to go to hell? You know the tax collector in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee said, I did this, I did this, I did this. Uh, twice, twice a week I, I, I fast. You only have to fast, fast once a week. Uh, I gave one-tenth of my money, go straight to the... But the tax, I'm not like the tax collector, you know, sinner. No, the tax collector have mercy on me. And he went justified. In other words, do you understand and do you believe that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross is the only reason God can accept you? Do you accept that? You can say yes. Well, I'm not sure. Oh, I don't know. So you can say yes. I'm not sure. No, I don't believe it. The second question is, are you willing to follow Jesus, whatever the cost may be? You can say yes. Or you can say, well, I don't know. My, my, my wife's brother said yes to the first. I said, well, I'm not sure. He said, well, I'm not willing to. That three. And the third question is, have you talked to Jesus about it? Now, if your answer is not yes to all the three questions, you need help. You better see your pastor and talk to him about it. <laughs> that is the way you can find out. You don't have to tell me. You know it yourself. So are we in the visible, uh, invisible church? Well, if you are in the invisible church, we come to our passage now. Now, with our introduction. How can we as a church grow? And Jesus said, you know, in chapter 4, very clear. Because when you look at Mark's gospel, in the chapter 1, Jesus arrived at the scene. According to the Old Testament, John the Baptist mentioned it. He comes to the scene and then Mark tells us, the evil spirit was angry. Because they knew who Jesus was. You are the son of God, the holy one. Why have you come here to destroy us? Then he healed the Peter's mother-in-law. So there was a healer in there. So by the evening... The whole village was in, the, in, the Peter, in Peter's house. So in the morning, Jesus went and prayed. Very early in the morning, Mark chapter 135. 
And Peter, they looked around, they couldn't find it, and they found Jesus in the hills praying. Jesus, come on, a lot of people want to be healed. And he didn't go back, because he didn't come to just to heal. Of course he healed, but he came to die for us. So then he's, uh, he goes, and he heals a paralytic, and the, the Pharisees were angry with him. He healed on Sabbath, they were angry with him. So what did they do? They decided to kill him. Let me read you. In chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, verse 6, the Pharisees went out immediately, held counsel with the Herodians. They were arch enemies. The two enemies met together against and uh, with Herodias against him how to destroy Jesus. So the Israel, the Jewish Pharisees and the scribes decided to destroy him, rejected him. So what did Jesus? He rejected them. And he established in chapter 3, the 12 apostles, a new foundation of the 12 apostles. And then he opened the gate to the Gentile, to everybody, people like you and me. We don't have to be in the Jewish family. And the last verse, and looking around, you know, your mother is waiting there for you to take away. And he said, looking about this, who sat with him and said, here are my brothers and my brothers and my mother. Whoever does the will of God is my mother and a sister and a brother. In other words, he opened the gate of heaven to everybody who believe in Jesus. And then he tells you in chapter 4, we are the reading, how the church is going to grow. Very clear. And let me explain as simple as you can how the church is going to grow. So as the Israel, the 12th foundation is the apostles. The church is going to grow according to the three parables. He gives us three parables. Now, it is the parable of the sower. No, no, it is not the parable of the... You know, those titles done by men. It is the parable of the soil, if you want to look. There are three types of soil. You remember in the reading? You can look at it when you go home. The parable of the sower, chapter 4, 1 to 25. Then he gives you the parable of the seed, in other words, the farmer. Drops the seed in the in soil and he goes to sleep. And then the parable of the mustard seed, chapter 4, 30 to 34. Four miracles. Then he gives you the miracle in the storm. Then afterwards, in chapter 5, the legion and the woman who had uh, um, uh, blood flow, and then the Jairus' daughter. So let me explain it. What does that mean? Uh, who was brought, Jairus' daughter, who was uh, brought alive. So the first parable is the parable of the soil, chapter 4, 1 to 29. What do we find about the soil? There are three soils. First is the path. The second is the thorns and thistles. Then the rock. The rock comes second, and then the thorns and thistles, and then the fresh ground, the, the, the good soil. Now, what does that mean? First of all, the parable of um, uh, the pop. Let me read you from, in Ma uh, Matthew is a little more explained. Math Matthew chapter 4, chapter 13, verse 18. 
it explains a little more clearly. Here then, the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in the heart. This is what is sown along the path. See, the seed has gone on the path. It hasn't gone on the soil. So they didn't understand it. So it's like the parable. So the evil one, what, what, who, is, who is the enemy here? The devil. The devil come and plucks it away. So when the pastor gives a reading from here, and then explain the passage, if you don't understand it, it's like a path. The devil come and pluck it away. Now, how do you understand? How do I understand the passages? Well, here is a booklet recently produced by Christopher Ash on listening up. And this is one of the best books I've seen. Uh, how to sit down in the pews and to listen. How do I understand? How do I listen to the sermon? First, expect God to speak. Now, you can... Uh, Get one, but let, uh, let me give you the headings, which tell, tells you all about it. Expect God to speak. A few verses, and then secondly, admit God knows better than you. Thirdly, check the preacher says what the passage says. Is he speaking on the beast on his bonnet, or is he speaking from the, from the passage? Check the preacher says what the passage says, and explains it. And then, hear the sermon in the church. Come along with, the, with everybody, listening together. And then, fifthly, be there week after week. Be there unless there is a reason you can't be here. Number six, do what the Bible says. Do what the Bible tells you. And then, do what the Bible says today and rejoice. Then from there, he goes on. How to listen to bad sermons. How to listen to a dull sermon. It tells you how to listen to a dull sermon. Very short. How to listen to a biblically inadequate sermon. Then how to listen to a heretical sermon. How to get better sermons. And finally, seven suggestions for encouraging good preaching. It's a really worth his way to goal. It's only... Uh, uh, two pounds, but if you get a few of them, about 30 or 40 of them, it gets half the price. You can get it for one pound. Every member of this co congregation should have one of these. And look at it and pray about it. How do you take it? So the f you, you got the enemy, the devil. The second enemy is the rocky grounds. See, they have no roots. And when the pressures come in, the world, when the pressure from the world comes, it withers out because there is no foundation. And Hebrew chapter 5, 11 to 14 says, now these are Hebroid Christians. And the writer of the Hebrew says, about this we have much to say and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unsettled 
in the world of righteousness since he is a child but the solid food is for the mature for those who have the powers of discernment trained by the constant practice of distinguish good from evil so in other words they have not grown they are babies they need milk you know babies suppose if after the here the minister says oh after the service you will be given you bottles of milk <laughs> it will be bad isn't it and if the minister come with a baby bottle in your hand you know like what's wrong with this fellow has he grown so you need solid food so the the reason why they are not growing is they are babies babies are very good they're quite good <laughs> but they you can't send them shopping or you can't help them to grow so how do i grow now you have given one of these um uh, green ones in them there's one to one teaching i teach one to one in the city business one to one teaching to teach someone to teach somebody else no i leave it with your minister and elmery has got all the, all the things like that to somebody else you can answer 95% of the question people ask then if somebody ask you which you don't know well i don't know i'll find out then find out write it down and the next anybody at time ask you you got it here you become mature in christ as you grow now this is and the generous living and will man rob god that is for a for a person who is a born again mature christian teach them to teach others and when you teach others that's the time you learn now this morning i learn more than any one of you because i'm teaching you when you teaching you have to understand it and you learn it so you can ask elmery and ask your minister about it and um, the the all that are written down word for word all the bible verses are written and out up to the 13 of them you got it in tapes so that you can look at it there is no copyright so you can make it your own and teach somebody else now if your christian life is only 10 minutes or 20 minutes in the uh, uh, in once a fortnight you would grow would you if you are to sit for an exam in uh, in an honors degree if all you get is the 10 minutes talk once a week or once a fortnight you won't get any marks would you you need to learn you need to grow and that's the way so in in quantity and quality we need the word of god is the word that helps us so you need good roots the third parable the enemy is the flesh the thorns and the thistles came along and then is a good soil is a good soil now how do i know the good soil if i want to understand it you have to come to luke let me read you from luke it explains it you know the same parable in luke's gospel luke chapter 8 verse 15 as for the good soil there are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience a good soil is the one that you hear the word understand it teach it to others you'll understand it more and obedient to it with, with by the grace of god bear fruit in patience so you got three soils the path we don't understand it the world the rocks you got no root thorns and thistles because you are too worldly but the good soil when you hear it you produce not only a big harvest 
Sometimes a super bumper harvest, 100-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, and you will be a profitable servant of, of the Lord. So the church grows individually and collectively. So the picture is here. In every day, there will be waste, but the harvest is certain. There will be waste, but the harvest is certain. There will be waste. Of course there will be waste. And some cases, super bumper harvest. Then, so let me, let's, let me go through it again. The path is a place where you didn't understand it. The rock is a place where there is no root. Then the next parable is the parable of the uh, farmer who sowed the seed and go to sleep. And the seed grows by itself. Now, if I put seed in my garden, the next day I don't look at it. Is there any growth there? Is there any, is there any root here? You don't do that, do you? The seed grows by itself, day by day. So, first the, uh, the leaves, and then the corn, and then, the, and then the harvest comes in. So, it takes time. Cabbages grows in about three months. But the oak trees takes a long time. There's no instant uh, uh, growth. And then the mustard seed. It looks, you know, mustard, I brought one mustard seed. I don't know where it is. It's smaller than the pinhead. You know, mustard, you heard of mustard. You can, you, in India, used for curry. Uh, or, the mustard seed, smallest seed of all. When you go into the soil, it produces such a big tree. So sometimes when you're talking to people, maybe one sentence, and I have people coming and telling me, you know, 18 years ago, you said that and really changed my life. <laughs> what, what, I don't know what I said. I've got a clue. So there are ways in which God helps us to grow. Now, there's another uh, question I wanted to tell you. After the, word, after the word is going to give the church to grow, then he gives some visual aid. In the end of chapter 4, there was a storm, and the, Jesus was sleeping, and the disciples were afraid. Woke him up. Don't you care? And he stood up, and by one word, not only the storm was finished, but the waves. You know, after the storm, I was at sea for 10 years. When the storm is finished, there will be big waves after. By one word, so the word is powerful. Visual aid, the legion. Nobody could control him. By his one word, he was sober, sitting, and everything gone. And then you, the Jairus' daughter. See, the visually telling, the word is powerful. Word of Jesus is powerful. It's a living word. The flesh is no avail. It's the spirit that gives life. The word I have spoken to you, their spirit and their life. And what happened? The Jairus' daughter. And as he was going to, to see the Jairus' daughter, a woman came and caught hold of, you know, she had a flow of blood for about... 12, 13 years, nobody could save her. So if only, if only I touch him, I'll be, and she touched his garment, and she was healed. So what did Jesus do? Who touched me? Of course Jesus knew who touched him. He knew everything. But he wanted the woman to come in front of him. So the woman came and fell at his feet. He revealed herself. You know what Jesus said? Your faith has healed you. Go away. So why did Jesus do that? Because the woman can go away, not from the touch, not because I touched the garment, because Jesus' word, your faith has healed you. So trusting on God's word, she can go home. Your faith has healed you. And then the Jairus' daughter, dead. They all knew they were dead. And Jesus came and said, 
Mark chapter 4 and chapter 5. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talita kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the, go- the girl got up and began walking. Here is a, ma- a girl who was dead. By the word of God, it, you got life for that girl. So there are visual aids. That word is not just the word on the book. The word is a living word. And by that, now, how is the word is going to help us to grow? Is next question I want to answer you. Well, just imagine, I've got a glass of water there. And to pray my heart out, the water will never come to my lips. I have to take it and drink it, isn't it? There's a lot of things we have to do. Because the word is alive, it doesn't mean naturally uh, the church will grow to grow. We have to do a lot of things, numerically and in depth. So if you want to take the, the blue sheet, and I want to have got about 10, 15, 10, 15 minutes, how do we church grow? A growing church is not one, if you got, have you got the green, green one? If you haven't got one, you can pick one up uh, when you go out. And I just go through it because you can look at it in depth at home. First, a growing church is not the one where the congregation is pushing the minister to take the gospel to those who are lost. You're not trying to let the minister do all the work. No, no, that's not the real uh, growth. A growing church, secondly, is not where the minister pushing the congregation reach out the lost. Your pastor, your minister is not pushing you. Come on, go and tell everybody. No, 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 no. What is, but the real one is, but the one, the real growing church is the one where the congregation trained and trusted by the minister reaching out the word of God to those who lost. Do you know the people around you? The many of them do not know they're heading for hell without Jesus Christ. Do you love them? Do you want to help them? But you can't go and say, are you saved? But you have to communicate. You need to be trained. So the minister has to teach us, train us, and trust us. Now this can only happen if the congregation will set aside the minister for the ministry of the word. That is why the second reading comes in, Acts chapter 6. Let me just go through it quickly. In those days, Acts chapter 6, when the disciples were increasing in number, and a complaint by the Hellenist arose against the Hebrews, because their, their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So what did the apostle do? The twelve summoned the full mem- number of the disciples and said, it is not right we should give up preaching the word of God to serve the tables. Therefore, brothers, pick among from you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit. They are lovely, you know, really live Christian, full of the Spirit and wisdom, and whom we will appoint them to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Prayer and the ministry. So what is the minister has to do? If you want the church to grow, you have to set him aside for the prayer and the ministry of the word. And what they said, please the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, Philip, and they brought another six people. Now what happened? And verse 6, these they said before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. 
So what happened? And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of disciples multiplied daily in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The whole church began to grow. Now if you look at Acts, it's always the word grew and the church grew. Synonym, you know, it's the same thing. The word grew and the church grew. And the church began to grow. So you have to set aside the minister for the ministry of the word. Now, do you have a goal as a church? Now, you are meeting together. Do you have a got a goal? What is your plan for the next five years? Do you know many Anglican churches? Because I go to an Anglican. I'm a Christian first. I go to a Baptist church. I go to a Methodist church. Wherever they ask me to, to preach. I even go to a Catholic church and preach if I give me an opportunity. But have you got a goal? Do you know in many churches in this country, many, many churches, it's like an archer. They shoot an arrow to the wall and put a circle around it. They pick the target. Is that your church? You have to think about yourself. Do you shoot an arrow to the wall and then put, an, put, put a circle? Yes, we, are, uh, we have hit the target. Do you have a plan? I would rather do something and come short to it than do nothing and succeed in doing nothing. See, if you haven't got a target, then uh, it, nothing happens. For this church has to take, for this, what is the church has to do? Reach out or take in, understand the word, reach out, build up, and send out. This means reaching out for Christ, those who are lost, building them up in Christ, and sending them out. Now, people say, oh, I'm not a missionary. You know, no, no. Acts 1 8 says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to the ends of the earth. We are not asked to come and uh, preach the word. We are not asked to do many other things. We may not be even be a home group leader. But everyone is a, ministry, is, is a witness. Now, if you are not a witness for the gospel, I'll send somebody to you. It's the Holy Spirit. Any person is the Holy Spirit in you is a minister in witnessing, a witnessing. So, how do, I, how do I help this church to grow? So, there are about six points there, roughly, which you can think about it, discuss about it, and find about it yourself. First, right, right at the bottom, there are six points there. First, a growing church, the congregation has to set aside the minister for the minister, word and prayer. You have to set aside the minister. For this, we have to take away from him all the work a congregation can do. And let him spend time with the Lord in studying and listening and preparing the talks. When Jesus healed, healed a dumb and a mute, you know, dumb and a deaf man, he opened the ears first. Then he opened his mouth. If I had to sit down and ask God, Lord, what can I tell them? I, I, I mean, it takes me over 80 hours to prepare half an hour talk. If, you don't, if I have no time to listen to God, I've got nothing worth to tell you. Because I don't know what you have. I don't know anything about it. God knows about you. So you have to set aside the minister for the ministry of the word. You only got 24 hours of the day. You have to pray for him. Pray he will be of good health. Pray that nobody will disturb him when he's preparing for the sermon. Pray that God will open his ears and open his heart and help him to have good uh, stealing. I, I, my son is an associate minister in St. Ebbs in Oxford. I pray for him every day for the ministry of the word. I have a one-to-one -one, uh, um, prayer time with my minister. 
on a Friday morning, three quarter of an hour from quarter past eight to nine o'clock every week, unless he's somewhere there or anybody, regularly meet together to pray. Do you pray for your minister? Do you set him aside for the ministry of the word? And then give him book elements. You may be doing it, you may not be doing it. Twenty churches I've been. They started the book. They never did. Not that they don't want to give. They never had an idea. They did never thought about it. If you're giving a book elements, good. But we don't give a book elements. We, we make the money available for him because other tax and all will come in. He can buy as many books as he want to. I saw that in, I say this to, to a, a group of um, PCC church member, uh, the leaders in, um, up uh, in Yorkshire. Uh, after the service, they had nine, uh, more evening service, there are about 30 of them, or the big leaders, and I was speaking to them. Do you give a book elements? So they, one of the ladies said, how much did you give your minister? Well, um, uh, Wallace Ben was our vicar at the, at the time, minister at the time. Say about 600 pounds. Uh, you can take more if you want to. It's available for them to buy books. Because we don't pay him enough to go and buy a 30 pounds of uh, commentary and uh, 50 pounds worth of, uh, worth of books. So we need to provide him the, the means in which. So this lady said, 30 pounds? No, no, 600 pounds? So I knew about the church. You know, last year they had a big trouble with the roof. How much money you spent for the roof, leak, roof leaking? 8,000 pounds. As a 600 pounds will stop the drip in the pulpit. They understood the meaning. See? And you may be doing it, I don't know. But you, you must make the allowable uh, for that he can study. Send him to sabbatical study, God's word. You know, I work five days a week. My pastor, minister, works six days a week if he's wise. If he's a fool, he works seven days a week and he gets into trouble and all those things. You know, like that. Now, if you take the year, take the holiday out, we owe him 45 days in a year to go and let him to sit and study the word, read a book and study it, then come and teach us. Because we haven't got the time. I remember saying it in Australia, uh, Simon Manchester, a big city in uh, north, north, uh, south of, uh, north of Australia. Um, I mentioned it to the leadership there. So, and Simon came to me afterwards and said, Vijay, thank you for mentioning it. I believe from pulpit in the, you know, from the study into the pulpit, study into the pulpit. I never had time to study a book. So they start giving him. They send him on a sabbatical, study the word. Encourage in his ministry. I've got two, sec two minutes. After the church service, would you give him time to talk to the new people? Set him aside. Don't go and hog him up. Don't use him as a mentor in an Anglican setup. What you do, minister knows everybody. Oh, Vicar, would you give this to so-and-so? Uh, would you give it? No, set him aside for the ministry of the word. And if, he, if his wife is working for the church, give him, a, give him an honorarium or something like that. Because if she goes into, the, uh, into Lloyd's and comes, you get about quite a lot of money. Maybe, maybe more than the vicar or more than the peace minister. So we need to look after them in order that we may learn the word. In order the word may be part of us. In order that we may teach others. And the church grows step by step. As I said, cabbage grows in three, minutes, three, hour, three, day, three months. But the oak trees take a long time. It takes time. It takes grace. It takes our effort. 
and we work together as a family. So let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here with us now. We thank you that you sent your son to die for us. Lord, anybody can be crucified, but he took the punishment we deserve. It was so intense. He cried out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Lord, incomprehensible. We can't even imagine with our mind how much he suffered on the cross. Father, you love the people around here. You love the people who do not know you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. Father, we thank you for your word. That you died. He didn't say that you died for the Christian, that whoever go to church and give all the money away should not perish. You love the world, the people who are lost. Lord, teach us how we can reach out, how we can build up, and we can send out more people to share the gospel with others who do not know you. Use us in spite of us. We thank you for giving us a minister who loves you and who knows you. We thank you for one another who can teach one another. We thank you for the love you poured in our hearts. Lord, we thank you for many things. Make us profitable servant of yours. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.